0: The TV fans are taking over. This is Across the Airways. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Across the Airwaves, the exciting and intelligent weekly podcast reviewing your favorite movies and TV shows. Kind of Dan Schmidt, your host. And with me here is my Marvelverse podcast co-host, Ken Muppets Discussing, pal. <laughs> Hi,
1: guys, it's Nikki.
0: Can Nikki tell everyone what we're doing on this exciting special episode of Across the Airwaves?
1: On this exciting episode, we are going to be
0: interviewing the amazing Ellen Dubin. So, hi, Ellen. Thanks for joining us.
2: Hi. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for calling me amazing. I really (laughs) appreciate it. That's a good way to wake up.
1: Yes, I think I need an alarm clock that says that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like that idea. We could sell that, Nikki. That's a wonderful (laughs) idea.
1: Absolutely. I'm on it.
2: Amazing, Nikki. Amazing,
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's an awesome alarm clock, yeah.
1: I like that, yeah.
0: So, and I'm sure a lot of people have, like, seen you before in a movie, or have heard your voice doing something, but um, <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself to the group, to our listeners, and just kind of share, like, what you've done and some of the roles you've been a part of, and, um, you know, just to, just kind of your do stuff about your career.
2: Sure, I would love to do that. Well, I think... Um... I'd like to start out by saying that I'm one of those actors that's kind of, now and then I will be recognized, but I'm one of these actors that's more of a chameleon. So it's a kind of a blessing in disguise. You know, you can walk around and people don't really know who you are. And other times you're like, oh, how come they don't remember me from this? But I really enjoy kind of, I'm the type of actor that likes to change and look differently in different parts. And, um, you know, I've done, I, I think, What really put me on the map with fans, um, I would say, is a wonderful, crazy, wacky sci-fi show called Lex. And it sort of had a cult following all around the world, and I played this uh, out-there, no-holds-barred character named Jigarata the Wicked. And I was a cannibal, and I ate everybody, you know, men, women, children. Mm -hmm. I didn't discriminate. I was one of the leads, and I recurred, and I was the only character that came back, other than a lead character, in four seasons, because I was a very popular character, and the producer at the time, Paul Donovan, who wrote and created the show, he had a great idea to keep reincarnating me in different bodies, but sort of similar traits, like I was still an aggressive, crazy, wacky, funny character. So I kept coming back and I ended up playing the Pope in uh, season four of Lex. And I still get fan mail about that because I was the only female Pope in sci-fi history. <laughs> so that one, I would say I owe my career a lot to that show because it it really started to connect me with fans, because you know, in the science fiction fantasy world, the fans, there's no greater passionate fan than that in that genre. So that's one of the things that put me on the map, and people recognize me from that. And then we can go to, I'm going to sort of give you little highlights, like the highlight reel. Okay. And I would say another thing that's very popular, and still get a lot of... Um, mail about this is uh, napoleon dynamite and it's i call it the little engine that could because you know who would know that something like that would become so huge when you do a project you know i just do it and put all my passion and all my love in it and do the best i can and then you leave it to whatever's going to happen out there so that was kind of cool to have that one connect so much with audiences. So um, that's another thing people might recognize me from um, in terms of on camera. And then I did a wonderful series, which will be starting to air again, I hear, in the U.S. And I'm very proud of this. And this is sort of more of my my own um, highlight of my career is this TV series called The Collector. And I don't know if you've ever seen it. A lot of the episodes are on YouTube. It was a supernatural drama about a man who collects souls for the devil and I was one of the leads in that and um, people recognize my work and I was nominated for the equivalent of a TV Emmy in Canada called the Gemini so that was very rewarding to have put so much hard work into that for three years and uh, a lot of Europeans have seen that show and Canadians so I, I get recognized from that too and then you know we'll flash forward to the voice career where there's been some wonderful highlights, um, being the voice of the world of color at California Adventureland, then doing the sixtieth anniversary fireworks spectacle uh, voice in Disneyland. I'm their their official voice. And Disneyland, which is a great coup for me, and it's kind of brings back my childhood. I mean, everybody's got a little Disney in them, you know? Yeah, exactly. um, So it was exactly, it's a very moving thing to be a part of. So, you know, I, I've been very lucky to have done a bunch of different kinds of roles in comedy and drama and also stage and a wide variety of stuff that keeps me on my toes as well as the fans. It's really... Exciting for when you get a, a tweet from a fan saying, you know, wow, I couldn't believe that was you in that movie, or or, or that was your voice in that voiceover, or that video game. So I like uh, to do a wide gamut of roles, Dan and Nikki. It's very thrilling for me and challenging.
1: Yes, I I grew up in Orange County, so I'm a big Disneyland girl. Mm. So, whenever I go back, I go to Disneyland and I always have, you know, I always hear your voice when I go. So it's <laughs> like, "Oh my god, oh my god."
2: It's interesting how many adults, you know, they take their kids to see it but or hear it. But I have a friend who has gone probably she goes a couple times a week. To Disneyland, and she always sends me a little message saying, "Oh, I got shivers up my spine," and I have yet—I've got to make a trip there to hear it because apparently it's you know amplified between two rows of of uh, you know a street rows, and it's apparently really really moving. But you know, when you're being put to a hundred-piece orchestra with a choir, and you get to—I mean, I, I got goosebumps just in the studio recording, and they have Disney. Has the most incredible working um, recording studios I've ever been in. The acoustics, the way they're they're built, it's just
1: it's thrilling. No, uh, it's oh, it was always kind of a dream of mine to to work for Disney. And I like your friend. I used to go before I moved. I used to go two three times a week because of the annual pass. And the only thing that got me into going to California Adventure was World of Color. <laughs> so uh, yeah. <laughs> Because I'm from California and I thought it was really silly to have a California theme park where you could actually drive to these places normally.
2: <laughs> but
1: I do, but the world of color is like, okay, it's like, do you want to go? Yeah. I want to go see the world of color. So it's so it's very so, cool because it's exactly. so beautiful. It's That's so what
2: I've heard. It's stunning. Absolutely beautiful. And you know, it's very, um, it's a wonderful credit to have to work for them and, You know, Disneyland has been very good to me. A man named Brian Nevsky who casts me in all these projects. I'm so grateful to him and my voice agent, Vox, in Los Angeles. You know, you do an audition in your closet and uh, you Mm. send it off and you hope for the best. And then once I booked World of Color, I did World of Color Winter Dreams, World of Color 60th Anniversary, and the creator of that show liked my voice so much they had me audition for the sixtieth anniversary fireworks spectacle and uh, when I booked that, I was just you know, to talk about Walt Disney and then to hear Walt Disney's voice right after mine.
0: Yes
1: That's
2: <laughs> just amazing. We all it brings out the kid in all
1: of us. I know it's like, oh my god! I want to do that. I want to be. I want to do that. How do I get to talk to Walt Disney? <laughs> exactly. I had no clue that that he was
2: coming in right after me. That they edited it, and actually, just hearing it on YouTube, I was like, whoa! <laughs> it's so That's incredible. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Now, did you make it on? I haven't got a chance to watch it yet? But did you make it on the Disneyland special that they you showed?
2: Know, I have it taped. And I haven't had a chance to watch it. I don't know if I did because I I wasn't officially contacted. But I'm just wondering if they used part of that voiceover for the 60th anniversary in there. So when when we do our next interview, I will
1: let you know (laughs) where to watch it. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't watched it yet either. I have it on DVR. Yeah, DVR too. Me too. I I had to. Harrison Ford was there.
2: (laughs) Exactly.
0: There you go.
2: (laughs) They should have called me. I would have stood right beside them. Didn't they know that?
1: (laughs) Another
0: game come true. Well, you recently had Star Wars experience getting Mm. to play Captain Mm Faslo. That's that's pretty cool.
2: You know, when I got the call um, a couple of days before the actual gig, I was absolutely – I thought they were kidding me. (laughs) But they didn't say what it was. They just said, you're going to – voice match uh, Gwendolyn Christie and by then I was kind of like hmm, yeah she's in that movie but I'm I'm a fan of Star Wars but I don't really know all the characters in the new because she's a new character it's not one mm-hmm. of the older iconic characters so but I, I sort of panicked because my agent emailed me saying you're going to have to match this woman and I consider myself a very well-trained actor but some of my friends are in, they can match any actor, any accent. Uh, it's not, I thought, my specialty. So they sent me a little link, a YouTube link of Gwendolyn Christie being interviewed on the Craig Ferguson show. So I studied her and her, all her mannerisms and her, you know, her, the, the, the rhythm of her speech. And then I go there, and they weren't allowed to give us any links from the movie. And even when I did the job, they didn't have any links from the movie as yet that they were allowed to show me or or I was allowed... Oh, actually, at one point, they did play one thing over the telephone they from Lucas Ranch. They did, and I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> but they said, and apparently some of these sound people who worked on this Lego Star Wars actually worked on the film film, and they said that the voice match was dead on. So, listen, they're the ones working with her. So I was happy... To have done that and then when people said Ellen you know this is she's going to be in the next movie so you know we don't know what's going to happen with the next round of Lego Star Wars the TV special is going to turn into something else but how thrilling and then I even went to the Disney store and looked at her doll (laughs) you know. I'm going to get one of these dolls just to have for sci-fi conventions. So I'm a huge fan of Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones. I've been following her forever. She is such a fabulous actor. I just love Brianna Tart. Plus, she's the only actress taller than me. I'm (laughs) 5'10", 6'3", so it's, you know. (laughs) Okay. It's pretty amazing. So, yeah, what a um, incredible honor to be part of the Star Wars name and the Lego name, because as you guys know, Lego combines with so many different franchises, and it's
1: hugely, hugely popular. Right. Way, Way more popular, popular than when we were kids, and they were just toys our parents used to hate stepping on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's that my- I was not allowed to have until I was an adult. My
2: brother had Lego, and I used to always, you know, trip across it. And but he used to make these great creatures and, and great characters. But you know, who connects it one day you're going to be talking of,
1: exactly <laughs> talking okay. to Lego
2: Captain Phasma? So
1: Captain Phasma is one of my favorite. I'm a gigantic Star Wars nerd. I mean, hardcore tattoos, cosplay, everything. And oh, so yeah. Phasma is one of my new favorite characters. So I was so excited when I saw the you know the clips of the the Lego resistance. I was just like, oh my God, it's fast, but I actually thought it was Gwendolyn Christie. <laughs> yeah, and a couple of people have told me that too. so and I that that's a
2: very um rewarding thing to hear and they're very pleased with the the voice match and the rhythms and it actually I think the show was really, really good. They've done a wonderful set of animation. It looks absolutely fantastic.
1: yeah, they have a really great. Uh, studio there when they do the Lego, I it's it you almost forget that you're looking at Legos.
2: well I did too. I was like, oh this is amazing. It's very filmic. Yeah, you know, there is so the animators and, and the, the script writers and the directors. It's just an incredibly talented um, group of people that do this stuff. I, I really admire people who work in animation. I know as I do more voice stuff in different genres of voiceovers. I really appreciate the talented artists. You can imagine how painstaking it is to just create one character and create them, their movements.
1: I I remember when it used to take years and years for, well, it still does, for animated films to come out even before computers. And now they're doing such amazing things, both with the voiceover and hiring better and better talent. Every time they make a, a new pro- they do a new project, and I think Disney has always been at the top of the game. So yeah, they're a,
2: I agree with jealous. you, Nikki. Dan, they're ahead of the curve, and I think mm. fans are so sophisticated now and so used to great product that they just have to churn out better, you know, looking animation or video games and hire the best actors for video games and, and animation. I mean, the acting. And it's just right. like cinematic now. Yes. that's why so many actors are doing voiceovers. It's not just about, you know, sounding good. and you right. have to be able to create scenes and relationships. and And I find, as a voiceover actor and who's done all the different genres, that in a way, you have to cre- well, not in a way, you do have to create almost everything with your voice, you know, with a place. You have to create uh, the relationship. Because remember, when we record, 99% of the time, you're not recording with with the other actor. So you have to figure out how are they going to react. And that's why sometimes you do different versions. Because let's say the other actor hasn't recorded the scene yet or has, you have to be able to figure out, okay, is he going to react in an annoyed way? Is he going to react bemused? Is he going to completely ignore you? So you do different versions just in case he reacts that way, the other character. But, you know, we're in a vacuum. At least with Lego Star Wars, I I saw the characters and we actually had to sync and, and create the right timing of it. So that was a sync job as well. You know, sometimes now and then if you're doing a fight scene, and you're doing some military efforts or some, you know, some uh, sword fighting, you'll see a little snippet of that to get the timing. But most of the time, you're just seeing words on a page or words on a teleprompter. And you are, you know, you have to create that you're standing in that forest or you're in that Pub in 19th century England or you're you know you're um, jumping from roof to roof in a, a sort of a uh, a superhero type of game. So there's a lot involved in, in doing voice work and that's why the acting it brings us back to what we were talking about has to be really superlative because fans know you can tell in a voice if that actor's really in the place or really talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. Or is really connecting to having a relationship with that other person, whether it be their brother, their wife, their mother, you know, another king or a queen or you're a lizard. I mean, even if you're a talking animal, a dog, a lizard, an orc, you know, I've played (laughs) many orcs or Argonians, you Mm. still have to have a point of view and you still have to come from a point of reality, whether it's, you know, very subtle kind of games where you're, you know, a detective or a more Game of Thrones kind of epic game. You still have to come from a place of reality, and that's why most of these shows, a lot of people are stage actors. You know, a lot of video game people are stage actors because they're used to being able to get emotions on a dime. You know, you you sometimes have to do. You know, you're doing hundreds of lines in a session, and you go from. Being a you know a barkeep and and sort of uh, having you know fun fun sessions with the people that are in the bar and then and you're crying because your brother's being executed you know or or hung so you really sometimes you're literally going from section to section and you're you're doing comedy then you're doing drama so a lot of stage actors are able to get those emotions at the drop of a hat and that and also you have to be able to read. Very quickly, because the video game uh, producers are so protective of their properties, and well, they should be, um, you do not get the material the night before most of the time. So you have to be able to read very quickly and read some words and pronounce words. And yes, they'll help you if it's a new name or they want a certain pronunciation of a name. But you have to be able to quickly make sense of the words and pronounce them. And it's called cold reading, where you literally just dive in.
1: <laughs> well, it's something I've always thought about voiceover actors, is that they're the like the unsung heroes of the acting world, because I've had friends who do voice, who've do who done voice acting, and it is so difficult, and they like to joke, oh, I could go into my pajamas, and nobody cares. I was like, yeah, people will care. Um, but you do, you have to be prepared for anything that they throw at you, and, and working alone, and... I just, that's why some of my favorite actors are also voice actors as well, like John DiMaggio or, oh, um, incredible. Or like great, Phil Lasky, Maurice LaMarche. Um, so, and then
2: those are all people that you've mentioned that I admire and look up to and, and listen to because you can learn a lot. You know, I always believe as an actor, voiceover actor, on-camera actor, stage actor, that, um, you're constantly learning or you should constantly be learning and those are the some of the best that you've mentioned
0: um and and, then you have
1: andrea romano who is like the queen of voice acting who's now a voice actor director oh Mm. she
2: is she is one of my heroes and i actually took a class with her and when i left there i was literally walking on air um she (laughs) is Without a doubt, one of the most incredible, astute, uh, perceptive directors. And I just keep I, – I, when I audition for her stuff, I say to my agent, oh, I really want to book this because <laughs> she's just – she's a learning experience in, her, in itself. I mean, yeah. what – yeah, it's amazing. Even but, her
0: interviews are.
2: Yeah. No, I've been watching them too. They're very informative, Dan. You're right. It's, it's a, she's a master class. And voice acting.
0: She, I'm, she really I'm a is. big fan of all of the cartoon shows she's me been involved too. with. The anime series. I grew up with that show. So to me, that's... I mean, anything she does gives quality to me. because the quality up on it.
2: I agree. And she assembles an incredible group of actors, too. Because so. everybody she, wants to work with her.
1: Yeah, and she casts people who are exactly right for the roles. And she doesn't just... Like, well, let's just cast this person. She... The way she can match characters to actors has always been very impressive to me. And that's just something I've always been impressed with with voice actors. It's like, how did you find the perfect voice for that character? You know, kind of thing. No, I it's like, think, oh, That just works really well. <laughs> you're right, Nikki. I, I think it's a real art to
2: be able to. Uh, yes, it's a real art to cast actors, period. When you're a casting director, they're sort of the unsung heroes of of um, the film and television and the stage world. But I think in voiceovers, I mean, I'm still astounded that Lindsay Perlman from LucasArts figured out that I could do Gwendolyn Christie. I did not specifically audition for Lego Star Wars. I've auditioned for other things that that company has done and that Lindsay Perlman has cast. But I said to her, how did you know I could do this? Because I had no clue. (laughs) You know, I—I was—I like I said the night before when I heard about this, I was like, oh, I don't voice match. I i, I can't do this. And I was panicking, and I stayed up all night literally with Gwendolyn Christie on my computer. She was by my bed on my night table, and I was <laughs> listening to all her interviews and her Game of Thrones and all this stuff, you know, and getting my British accent. And But, um, I mean, that's not a problem for me. But it's always, you know, it was da- a daunting task, and I was, how did she... I figure this out, and I, I said that to her. and She says it's my job, and I said, they have to be able to listen to people. And now I'm starting to do it. Like if I hear a friend talking, I go, oh, they'd be a good Tina Fey, or they'd be a good, you know, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. It, it's sort of fun to listen. Or, but it's the it's the actors though that don't have any specific nuances that I have friends that can voice match, and I'm like, how do they? How did they mm-hmm. get her rhythm? See that's much harder than somebody who's a little quirkier like a Jack Nicholson because there's you know, there's a rhythm to his voice or Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody
1: has a Jack, everybody has a Christopher Walken, but it's it's harder to get to be more subtle. Yeah,
2: yeah, which is that's a whole other art. But anyway, yeah, I <laughs> I agree with you. Andrea Romano knows how to find her actors and match the characters perfectly.
1: I used to worry that um, when more high profile film actors were getting mm-hmm. animation voiceover roles. I used to think I used you know, as much as oh yeah, I recognize that voice, that's so and so, that so and so. I always worry about voice act like specifically voice actors. Like, well that's taking jobs away from people who have actually trained to do this. Who I was like, do we really need big time, you know, you know, actors in animation. And I was like that's I I always feel very protective. Of the voice actors, like, ah! Nick, I want you to walk beside me every
2: single day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is you've raised a really good point, and you know, we have to consider, from a studio point of view, or from a producer's point of view, everybody, yes, we want to create gr- good art, but they also have to make money with their audiences, and it's a fine line, because sometimes... We won't mention any names because everybody is fabulous. <laughs> there there are miscasts and, you're, and um, you go, oh, oh, okay. And then you notice that sometimes the actors that they hire around, it, they're either way over the top, mm-hmm. like to the point of absolute crazy silliness, even if it's a wacky comedy, or else they're so bland and so flat, there's nothing going on. And not, this is not for all stars, because there's some incredible animation, you know, in, in A-list movies, for sure. And But sometimes they'll just say, okay, let's hire a star and put them in, and they don't fit, you know, it, it the voice doesn't fit. So, you know, but we just keep plugging, and y- sometimes you luck out, like, you know, going back to the Disneyland voice, they were supposed to hire a couple of stars for my voice stuff, and thankfully those two women were not available so they went with me and now they're so happy with what i do as a you know i'm a working actor but i'm not a star a-list star um you know that they just said we're going to go with the talent and go with what's moving the audience and what people come back and talk about when you know they fill out the forms in their theme parks or whatever so you know, it's, it's it's a slippery slope and they that's on camera as well too where you know somebody will get cast because they were already on that network in another series and they may not fit the part. But that's been going on, you know, since the the beginning of time, so nothing we can do about it. We just have to do our thing. If you get caught up in this, you You'll go crazy if, if you get caught up in all the politics.
1: Oh yeah, I know, and I I know like I don't play video games, but I have a lot of friends who do, and they're like, oh, so and so did a voice on this, so and so did a voice on that. I was like, um, you do you know there there are actors who specialize in that, right? <laughs> mm. <laughs> like I, I love Graham McTavish from mm. films, and mm-hmm. but the reason I I knew of him before because he did animation voiceover. <laughs> He was Loki on the Avengers Most Wanted, you know? Earth.
2: Yeah, they don't just Earth. come out of nowhere. Yes, yeah. you know, we don't just come out of nowhere. You know, we've all well trained and we've been around for a while, and guys like that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very funny when people go, Oh, wow, this person this is amazing. I've never seen it. Well, you've heard him many times yeah. before. Yes, it,
1: exactly. And like, I was looking through your IMDb and I recognize you from Lex and I recognize you from The Collector. Um, but you are in actually one of my very favorite bad movies which one abraxas a bra- a,
2: a, a <laughs> oh abraxas master <laughs> of the universe okay With Jesse, it,
1: i just have to say it's like i'm a really big fan of riff tracks and mystery Science theater 3000 and that's how oh! i find that's how i find most of these movies oh and it, that was one of the first riff tracks that i watched that I was like, oh my god, I love this. One I of love-
2: my first movies, and let me tell you a funny story about that. The scene I did—I'm this sort of—it was one of my first movies. It, it was with the guy who was Arnold Schwarzenegger's body double, Sven Olay Thorsen. And if you look at the scene, you can see how he represent how he um, definitely looks like. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, and he was this very big kind of. He was. I think he was also a wrestler. Do, do you remember the scene? He's a. I think a German actor. And yeah. he, the 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 good thing about that scene is because English was not his first language. I made a lot of money in overtime. <laughs> sure. And uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty wacky scene. And it was one of my first movies. And I'm actually still friends with that director, Damien Lee. He gave me one of my first jobs. And I remember just standing next to this big, huge lug going, Oh my God, this guy is, you know, uh, he's a wrestler. I wasn't used to working with somebody like that. And I just kept looking at him in awe. And uh, <laughs> he really had a powerful presence. I mean, he didn't have to speak any language, he could have just grunted. And uh, he was very, a very charismatic actor. So, yeah, that's. Uh, but <laughs> I think actually I've got one, Nikki, that I think you need to see, and okay. that that is even uh, worse than that. Uh, I mean, <laughs> better. Uh, better. <laughs> I want, I, I want you to to find a movie, and I'm proud of this movie, even though I think it was voted one of the worst on Rotten Tomatoes. It's um, called Tammy. And I don't know if it's on my resume. Tammy and the Teenage T-Rex. And it starred <laughs> myself, Denise Richards' first movie. And may he rest Boy. in peace, the fabulous Paul Walker. Oh, my God. His first and movie. Terry
1: Kaiser. Oh, my God. And
2: Terry Kaiser from Weekend at Bernie's, who, <laughs> without a doubt, is one of the funniest actors I've ever worked with in my life. And we had great chemistry. This is a movie that academy award people will run from (laughs) this is the one of the most ridiculous cult movies i have ever done it's really hard to find but you can probably get a a cheap copy on amazon and it's you next time we talk you've got to see this movie it's it's beyond phenomenally crappy oh and you know who else is in it there was Efren Ramirez from Napoleon Dynamite. Pedro, we met doing that movie. Oh, jeez. Yeah? You're yeah, so, going
0: to see this now.
2: Oh, you've got to. Dan, This is you will never forget it. It's going to be the worst movie you've ever seen.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, well, I, I like, like
0: Terry it. Kaiser. <laughs> oh, I, I love Terry and and Kaiser. Burns.
2: It was one of the highlights of my career. And... Uh, 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 sort of a slapstick comedy, and uh, he played this mad scientist, and I played his That's nymphomaniac, great. crazy sidekick Helga. <laughs> That's awesome. a, oh my god, you should see the outfits! Oh my, that'll wake you up, Dan.
0: Was it fun though? Was it fun being in the movie? Was it fun being in such a terrible film? Oh,
2: <laughs> you're, you're just not going to believe this, Dan. You're going to call me and go, I don't know you, Ellen. <laughs> No, you're going to laugh. It's actually very funny. And and if you love Terry Kaiser, and I do, he does some hilarious things. And, oh, yes, and there's one other actor who became a star, too, Um, uh, Poppy Montgomery, who was in a series called Unforgettable. Love so, or I think it's called, or something. She plays a woman who has an incredible memory based on Mary Lou Henner's life, who has a photographic memory and remembers everything. It's, I think it was a television series on ABC the CBS last it weeks. was. It was
1: on CBS.
0: Yeah. watch the yeah. first yeah. couple episodes, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Bye. So it had a lot of, you know, some really yeah. good people, well, up and comers. But uh, anyway, you file that for a, a stormy, rainy night.
1: <laughs> oh, I, and I'm going to uh, contact the guys at Rift Tracks and tell them they have to do this.
2: Oh, they have to. It, <laughs> they, oh, yeah. And let me know when that's on because i got to see that or uh, hear yeah, that. Definitely. <laughs> okay. And I can't believe I just told you that little secret, but I like you guys so much. <laughs> that's a gift to you. Thank well,
0: you so much. Well, kudos to you for <laughs> for suffering through some of those movies <laughs> to do that. I, okay. I had a great
2: time doing it.
1: I, Hey, I was in Sister Act too, so I mean, I get it.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go.
2: That's, that's okay. That's a good cult name too.
0: You know, people are going to go looking for that. No, Nikki. No, no. Do you realize not. that?
1: You see the back of my head. That's it.
0: You get okay, a good back funny. ahead,
2: though, Nikki. I do.
1: I've been told that. You,
2: <laughs> you have to act with your back and the and the follicles in your hair. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, when I used to act, I was like, oh, okay, and they gave me a line, and I was like, okay, please cut it, because it's awful, and they did, and I now you see the back of my head. So, I'm very happy with my performance in Sister Act 2.
2: Well, I'm now going to have to look for the back of your
1: head.
0: <laughs> Are you credited as that? No. Back no. of the head? No. Okay. No.
2: Yeah, I don't think that's a credit, but Dan, maybe we should start a a new movie. You could start a, like, a, what's the word? Like, a a new blog, Back of Head Actors.
1: There you go. Yeah. Extras who never were seen. (laughs) That's funny. I like that. Yeah,
0: that is funny stuff. Well, one of the things I was interested in. Because I know you were talking about a little bit before how video game acting, you don't interact with people. Because you don't really. Because we're working with actors. Is that because so much of a game like fallout 4 which you were a part of is you talking to the player of the game to kind of immerse you into the world Is that why it's done that way
2: i think it's done that way too for a game of that kind of size they really need to because everybody has exactly so many choices as a character you know i just right. Recently found out in video games, you know, I'm not a video game player, but um, if I started, I think I'd never leave the house, Uh, (laughs) is that I don't think they have time to record two people at once, because basically each of us has, depending on what the player chooses... And what's scene, and what's, you know, what time that person, what time frame that particular character's in, we have so many lines to record, it's not practical for them to do that, you know, thousands, yeah. sometimes thousands and thousands of lines, and I don't know if you two know this, sometimes four studios are going on at once with four different directors and four different actors in different studios in different locations for a Fallout 4 or for a Skyrim. You know, Skyrim was taping in England yeah. and getting British actors. And and uh, so it, it, the, the games are of such magnitude that it doesn't work out practically for them to record uh, scenes with actors. It, it doesn't really work out for them. So... I think, Dan, you hit the nail on the head with, with why. that That's the reason.
0: Well, I know as a screenwriter, I had some friends who took some classes on game writing and game script writing. Can a script for a video game, especially if something like Fallout 4, cause like thousands of pages?
2: Uh, it is thousands and thousands of pages. And you realize a movie is written, you know, it's a two hour, two and a half hour, 90 minute movie. And, you know, the script is what, 104 pages, 106 pages. Yeah. Woody Allen script is 90 pages.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But video uh, game, thousands and thousands. And think about, you know, 10 years in the making. Not that a movie can't be 10 years in the making, a lot of them are. But from a writer's point of view, oh, the, the sheer, colossal amount of words. And, you know, when I've played some of the leads, like when I did leads in Skyrim, and you would go back over and over again into the studio and you would go, wow, my character is doing. See, I didn't even know when I, for example, when I did Skyrim, that my role would be put in eight, over 80 female bodies. I was just called common woman. So I thought, OK, I'm playing a woman who's common, you know, a farmer, a blue collar worker. But no, it ended up a fan started to send me once the game came out names of characters, and when I went to IMDB, it first started with five, and now I think it's listed over 50, or I've lost track. So wow. you realize exactly how much work, I mean, the patience to write, and this is not just for one character, but thousands and thousands of characters, and yes, not every character is going to have thousands of lines, but even if they just have 200 or 400 lines, and then you multiply that times thousands of characters... I mean, you really appreciate the dedication and devotion that these writers have for the game and the worlds they've created. I mean, they've been with these characters. I remember my first game was Guild Wars 2, and we were talking about the different worlds, and I was happy to have one of the creators in the room. And I actually, sometimes you don't get to see a picture of your character, but I got to see a picture of... You know the mighty Gricka and you know different characters that I played in the different races. And it was very helpful to see the teeth and the feet and the tail and the hair and how how they were structured. And I was talking to her to him, and he was telling me, you know, this was born from this mother and that mother. They create in their heads, you know, their relationships and who their mother was and their father and their sisters and their brothers and what kind of race it was. Are they an upscale race? Are they a low? born race are they uh, do they growl when they talk do they have a, a raspy voice, a clear voice and all the characteristics and traits that go into making it visually and vocally and you know who they relate to and how they relate to it by how they were born I mean think about the not the hours but the years of work just to go into that part as well. So I really am blown away. By the creators of video games. the un- they, they are, you said the voiceover actors are unsung heroes, Nikki. Mm-hmm. I think the creators and the artists and the writers of video games and animation, uh, but video games in particular, because animations generally, even if it's a series, it's still, you're going to not choose different paths. It's not the same kind of thing. The player's not going to choose different paths so much. I mean, sometimes there's animation, they can choose a different ending, but video games is a much bigger world. Those are the unsung heroes to me.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that um, the people who work to create the animation don't get the credit that that they deserve. A lot of the times it goes to the studio. 100%. Um, or the executive mm. producer, if they have a name, it's like you know what? Yeah, I love Brian Brian Bendis from Marvel, but he's he's not responsible for, you know, the animated you know Spider Man, uh, or the animated Avengers. He's yeah, he's a consultant, but putting his name up front doesn't tell me how good the show is going to be. Right. Interesting. Uh- I want to hear the voiceover or actors. I want to see the animation style. I want to know, you know, what studio, you know, what studio they're farming the animation out to before I, before I judge a show. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So it's good that we appreciate
2: it, and I think the fans do too, because yes. they're very no, uh, astute and they're very appreciative of all those talk about the art of a character or. or the machinations and how it works, or they say it won't work. I mean, they're very, very perceptive
0: Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine. I was telling him I was going to get to interview someone who did voice acting for, like, Fallout 4, and Skyrim and his eyes got really wide, like, oh, my God, that's amazing. (laughs) Like, you were in one of his favorite movies. So it's it's really – the fans do – pick up on things like that. Are really They
2: certainly do. And, and man, you know, like in the on-camera sci-fi world, I would actually say that the video game fans are even more rabid.
1: Mm-hmm. You know?
2: And uh, really, like, when you hear... Because I had no clue. I mean, I, I knew about the fan appeal, but I didn't realize how intensely fabulous fans are about video games. And when you say... Skyrim or Fallout 4, they fall off their chairs if they're a video game. It's like saying, you know, you're in an A-list movie that you're in, you know, Deadpool right now, or you're in a Tom Cruise movie. I mean, it's literally people, it's like, wow, they do appreciate my work in this, and they do know my characters, and and follow them, and say, oh, Mm -hmm. I just played, you know, I got an email from a guy who's a voiceover director, and his kids are playing Fallout 4, and he said, we finally got to your world, and we loved it, and it it was just such a (laughs) <laughs> I get a kick out of it just listening to them tell me that. It's
0: yeah, an I... amazing concept for a game, Fallout Four. It's very interesting. Oh,
2: it's those are incredibly talented creators. Just yes. What worlds they've created, Dan?
0: God, <laughs> oh, it's crazy. I, I've created one world for my graphic novel, but with those Fallout games, it's like they've created like four or five, or even more than that, in one game. and It just blows.
2: Well, they want you to play it for at least a year, Dan.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: And I'm sure, like some of the, like uh, I did Elder Scrolls Online, they're going to create uh, more content as the fans finish that those sections of the games. I mean, I've already heard <clears throat> rumors that they are. Creating more content already, so I assume that's going. You know, DLC versions of all the games that are successful, as fans demand it, they keep making it, which is great.
0: Yeah, they're doing expansions to Fallout 4 as well. Could thought yeah. advertise it for that too? So, exactly. To keep building upon them and getting them bigger.
2: Which is great. I'm I'm happy about that as a voiceover actor, and it gives more work to the creators and more work to the the people who are the sound technicians in the studio. By the way, those are the also the unsung heroes Mm -hmm. of that world because to put together that, edit it, pick the takes, and put together the story, and these people have to turn on a dime and do it as quick as possible, uh, and have a great ear. And sometimes they will chip in and say, you know, Ellen, maybe take that down in tone or raise your voice a bit here. And they, because they're like uh, conductors, they're really like a conductor in in Mm -hmm. an orchestra, they'll hear something and they'll go, hmm, just tweak that or emphasize this word or maybe we should take out that word because it, it ruins the rhythm. So it's very wonderful. All the games have been very fortunate to have the most incredible collaborative efforts everybody's a cog in the wheel, and if you don't know that, you're a jerk. Seriously. It's, um, you know, you really, I really am very appreciative of every end of the business because it's, yes, you're hearing my voice, but you're also hearing the edit from the sound editor as well. So they're, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how editors... And film and television and sound editors function.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's I'm just like, okay, you guys go do your magic over there, and I will just appreciate it when it's done. Cause mm-hmm. I don't get any of it. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. So and I don't play video games either. So I, I know of video games, and it's like it's like, has anybody heard of Pac-Man? <laughs> I know Pac-Man, I and I so. know the I know those Mario guys because they had a movie. That's the one oh, part of so cute. That's the one part of fandom that I haven't gotten into. But I wanted to ask, um, you do a lot of conventions, and I know that I've seen because I've seen that when I go to cons, people dress as Gigarata. How does that feel like when you see someone dressed as you?
2: Well, first I was like, I remember the first time I think it was MegaCon in Orlando, Florida, that somebody came in as Gigarata. and uh, I had to laugh. I and I said and especially because I remember the woman, she made the costume from scratch. So first of all, you're like, wow, that somebody would take the time (laughs) to Mm -hmm. create the exact, because that was a, girls and boys, that was a freaky costume. That was, I don't mean to get graphic here, but let's talk about that for a sec. The costume designer made that costume uh, from autopsy reports because... When somebody does an autopsy on a body, there are these big stitches across it, and she kind of made Jigarada stitch together, stitch together kind of character in this leather jumpsuit. And also, I had the head of a man on my back with hair and eyes and stuff like mm-hmm. that because that was a conquest of my character. You never saw me actually eat him and you know put the head on, but that was part of the costume. So in the backstory. At some point, she probably ate this guy, and as a conquest, she put his body on her on her body with his head there. So let's get that. The gross stuff is over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when I saw this girl, I was like, wow, this girl has this wickedest sense of humor, Jacarada the Wicked. And I actually gave her a big hug, and I said, thank you. I mean, it's pretty, It's <laughs> the word, weirdly?
0: Flattering.
2: Flattering. That's the word. Thank you. Weirdly we flattering because it's like. Okay, she likes me so much, so she has this hanging in her closet because this isn't pretty. This is not a pretty costume. This is not Wonder Woman or you know Poison Ivy. This is like this is a pretty gruesome macabre. I said to her, "You've got a sixth sense of humor, girl," and she goes, "Yes, I do. That's why I love the characters." So it's a, it is it's a combo platter. I've got to tell you, Dan and Nikki of uh, absolutely feeling you know honored. But like, okay, honey, you're you're off. You're off me too. But that's the beauty of Gigarada because it really, I mean, she as a character and me playing it really appealed to women because Gigarada at the time was a character that sort of said what was on her mind and was a no holds barred character and just was balls to the walls. A character that mostly you see men play in it and not so much women saying was on their mind and traipsing through life and stomping around like a you know, like a bull in a china shop, that was my image, you know, I had done a lot of ballet as a, as a, as a kid, and I was very graceful, so I had to kind of, and, and movement, you know, when you're on camera, I really come from a place of, of dance, because my training started in dance, and uh so I undid everything I learned in ballet class, you know, grace, and elegance, and, and soft lyrical movements and made her really clumpy and storming around like a wrestler and uh, you know I went completely the opposite of my training you know you take (laughs) your training and throw it out the window (laughs) it
1: still trains you in movement Mm -hmm. well hundred
2: percent it's it's still movement training that you throw away and uh, so um, anyway yes the conventions I remember the first time I did a convention my mouth hung open looking at all the characters on the floor, all the cosplayers, the work and the attention to detail and all the costumes and people dressing up. I thought it was like Las Vegas for kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like costume, costume paradise. I love them. And I love the conventions where they come to the table and you can talk to them Mm -hmm. because it's just very interesting to see what fans See in the characters and see in the shows you've done. And like we said earlier, there's no better fan than a sci-fi fan because they'll go, do you remember in episode 13 <laughs> of the Collector, you were holding that cup? Now, was that cup the symbolism of the womb when your mother birthed you? Ah, uh, okay,
1: sure. <laughs> no, no, it was a cup. It had a beverage yeah, in it. And they, they, they find stuff, Dan and Nikki,
2: like, I'm like... Okay, sure. That if that's what you see, I appreciate it. They'll sometimes see, and I'm a very, you know, I'm a detail-oriented actress. You know, I do my research. Mm-hmm. I'm very, you know, very caring about my work. But they see stuff. I, I just, I go with it. So <laughs> the conventions are great, absolutely great.
1: Yeah, I always have fun, and as a cosplayer, it's always fun to to see people who are dressed, you know, even in the same exact costume, but to meet like the people you're you cosplaying. It was the first time it was really nerve-wracking for me. I was like, oh, God, what if they think my costume sucks?
2: <laughs> it's, fun, it's fun to see people, like, you're right, if, if they're both. I mean, there's things you're going to see all the time. You always see lots of Batmans or Supermans yes. or, you know, or what's the thing I see a lot of with women? Oh, I saw last year a lot of Poison Ivy at San Diego yes. Comic-Con or, you know. Or- yes, 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 yes. And um, But there's always movie. variations on a the theme. You know, they add something of their own, uh, from, something from right, their right. own imagination, which I think is really cool. And I actually got to judge a cosplay costume event with my friend Gigi Edgley from Farscape. Oh, wow. and, and also she did the costume show on the Sci-Fi channel, the one where they were judging costumes, too, where people would make costumes. And I, I thought it was great. I, I, the problem for me was I couldn't pick a winner. They were all so amazing. <laughs>
0: That just, difficult.
2: Some people, Dan, they take a year to make the costume, they tell me. They go from one convention, yeah. let's like say they'll go to San Diego Comic-Con. The second they exit that door, they have started on their next one for next year.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's a I lot of work. I, am, I, I don't do the big, big pieces. Like, I've seen people dress as, like, Transformers. Yes, I am just going to say. Or Iron Man with armor. Or I belong to... Uh, the five hundred and first legion which is uh, the Star Wars cosplay group where we dress where the where the stormtroopers and the Imperial officers and I was like, I'm not doing plastic, I can sew. <laughs> I will I will be an Imperial officer. I will not get into plastic instruction. But it's it's really amazing to me, like when I when I go to many conventions, it's like, oh my God And then I go, and for my next year's costume
2: yeah, and they just keep getting better and better. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I was in a costume, I'd be grabbing my blanket off my bed. Uh, that's the amount of talent I have in <laughs> the sewing department. You know, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, and they're getting so amazing. And, yes, some of the Transformer stuff or or people on those boots and, and on stilts. And, oh, I've yeah, seen I some know.
1: amazing things. Yeah. yeah I've, I've cosplayed characters who have mm. to wear heels, and I wear Converse All-Stars. Because yes. I was like, nope. I have to add my own little twist here because I'm a plus-size girl, and so I'm already changing the costume in that respect. But I'm like, I I don't wear heels, and I'm certainly not going to wear heels to a convention.
2: Yeah, well, that's you and I have learned the hard way. I mean, mean, (laughs) the actors behind the tables, so you can come and see, a lot of the girls are wearing high stilettos, and I'm like, I wore my running shoes at Comic-Con and WonderCon. You're smart. And by the way, just to bring up something you just addressed, Nikki, what I do like about conventions and cosplay is that every size, every shape, every color is accepted. And I know that's a stupid statement because you think in the world that would be a given, but it's not. It, I find that in conventions,
0: yeah. every
2: type of beauty, men or women, all shapes or sizes goes, and you are free to express yourself at, this convention, at these conventions that way. And I love that. You can wear whatever you want. You know, if you're a plus-size woman and want to wear a tube top and a, a mini skirt, I'm all for it. If you're a plus-size man or a, a thin man and you want to wear a tube top and a skirt, <laughs> uh, and seriously, I do see yeah. men dressed in all kinds of oh, yeah. shapes and sizes I and all kinds of costumes, I think that's the beauty. It's Nobody yeah. feels judged there, exactly. either judged on how good the costume is, but they're not judged by how they look, their size, their age their weight, their disability, or their ability, as I call right. it, the fabulous ability, that's what I call so-called disability. I think the like fabulous abilities is, yeah, I like that word, is um, I think that that's one of the greatest things about sci-fi conventions, you can just be yourself and not worry about what other people think.
1: Exactly. Really, yeah. an
2: incredible platform for all types of people, and that's... Um, One of the things I noticed, yes, it's fun and all that stuff, but I have talked to so many people who, and you know, not to get all airy-fairy here, but who have been bullied as a child Mm -hmm. or bullied in the outside world, and once they enter the convention center, they're free to be whatever they want. Exactly. I I, I think it's immensely fantastic. I love
1: that. As a kid, I was bullied a lot for both because I was a a selective mute and because I was younger than the other kids in my class, and I was chubby, and uh, so, and I couldn't express, like, as a child, I was, like, such a huge Star Wars fan, but at the time, it really wasn't cool to be a nerd. Yeah, I I
2: I I know where you come from, because I I think that I embrace the inner nerds in most people, and that's why I think Napoleon Dynamite was so successful as a movie, because we are all nerds. And I, too, I was bullied as a child, too. And because I was, over, I was taller than all the other girls and really skinny. So I was the opposite. Hmm. And but you know what, any kind of thing that doesn't fit in to the so called norm. And, and guys, what really is the norm? If exactly. you think about it?
0: Yeah, exactly. um,
2: I think everybody I know, I'm there, people always have something to say about what you you're going through. Yeah. You know, screw them. You know what, yeah. it's, what makes you different makes you special and I constantly tell that to actors when they say, "Oh, I have a lisp or I have a limp or I'm fat or I'm skinny or I'm I sound funny." You know what? Whatever people made fun of you in school, your big nose or your hair that's too curly or whatever, that's going to be your money maker. Mm-hmm. Or the way you talk funny or, you know, if you have a stutter or a lisp or or you sound nasal or very high, I have a girlfriend who talks like this naturally. You know what? That's (laughs) great because you're going to make a lot of money in animation and she is. So I I, and all this stuff like why do we all have to look the same?
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because
2: I live in Hollywood, you know, when I'm part time living here. And why does every girl have to be a certain size or a certain look? And listen, if you're that look and that size, great. Some people are naturally. But not everybody has to be the same. We so. don't have
1: to aspire to that. And yeah. When I was mm. my first convention when I was I think I was like nineteen or twenty was an X Files convention. Oh wow. Great. And <laughs> I just was like I there wasn't cosplay really going on and if it was, you know, everybody's just like FBI agents, so I was like, yeah. okay, this this is kind of cool. And then the next con I went to was San Diego Comic Con, and this is back, you know, in the mid to late nineties, so it was a lot less crazy. Mm. And I was like, I just walked in the doors, and it was like, oh my god, I'm I'm home. This this is where my people are. Yep. This is and where this is a where lot I belong. Of people
2: Who say that, Nikki? That this is where they're they feel themselves and feel at home and don't feel like I said earlier judged. I think but it's I, magnificent to be like I, that. I,
1: I never felt, I never feel self-conscious when I'm in costume at a convention. I feel like I am that character because cosplay is not just dressing up. It's also embodying that character. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's like, I've been to cosplay conventions and we just have fun. And if our costumes aren't the greatest, you know, we just, we're like, well, we're just having fun. And I think that um, the whole fan community is such an important resource. It's such an important support system and that's, you know, why it's so cool to be a part of, I, I can imagine, to be a part of the sci-fi fantasy world where you get to go to the convention, you get to meet your fans, and you get to interact with people who truly have an appreciation for what you do. A, a
2: billion percent. Nobody is more appreciative. The love that comes across <laughs> when you talk to people at the table and what they know about you and your show and other mm-hmm. shows and just... It, it just it blows me away, guys. I, I just absolutely adore them. I really do.
0: Well, going back to what you were talking about before, with that kind of freedom, with the equality that comes out by going to events like comic book events and stuff. I'm a part of a summer camp for people with disabilities. And the theme we're doing this year is superheroes. Because everybody uh- thought it was a brilliant idea because of that idea i've given everyone freedom you know they're getting to escape their disabilities by escaping um, by dressing up in these characters so everyone loves the idea that's a great
2: idea that's a fab ability (laughs) yes that's uh, an amazing oh boy i'm sure you're going to get some incredible superpowers
0: i'm excited to get the pictures yeah, Dan, you got it. When, when you get them
1: done, you
2: got when that's done, you got to send them to me because I'm I would love I'm I think that's oh God that just moves me greatly. That's an amazing idea.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a really cool I think week and experience for for everybody involved. It's uh, a kind of friend of mine that's going to do Wonder Woman and Clock Girl and just all kinds of stuff. Great, great. I mean, we're even going to have Cabet signal, so it's going to make oh. the camp signal into a bad signal. Oh, that's great.
2: You're going to see some really creative selections, I'm sure.
0: So I'm hoping to really get some cool stuff out of there to show our listeners. Good for you to see as well, Ellen. That would be great, Dan. I'd love to see that. And uh, we're kind of running low on time, but I did want to ask you about a project that you are working on that our good friend Josh, who's on the Marvelverse podcast, is a part of it. I don't know how much you can say But I know he's really, I've talked a lot about working on Nobility the Series. Uh,
2: Nobility the Series is the brainchild of a wonderful, wacky, creative man, I call him a boy, named (laughs) E.J. De La Pena, and he has assembled an incredible cast. And when he contacted me through Facebook, which Facebook is amazing sometimes, and told me about this project and told me that Walter Koenig and Doug Jones had signed on, I said, fine whatever. <laughs> Fine. I'm a huge fan of those. And, and, and talk about Star Wars, Actually, Star so. Trek. So I got the, I wanted to do the star, you know, and so mm-hmm. Star Trek. I said, OK, I got to be associated with Star Trek somehow. And um, we shot this in a studio about 45 minutes outside of L.A. And um, I think it's a great concept. The, the cast is incredible. All of us have different niches and followings my friend adrian wilkinson from xena warrior princess she's in it my friend kazan var who's starring in assassin's creed he's the bad guy in assassin's creed and also a new series called the expanse on the sci-fi network there's walter koenig doug jones miracle laurie from dollhouse james kyson from heroes the cast is absolutely amazing it's what can i tell you is i play uh, in a nutshell I play um, Colonel Taya, who's a member of a new race of people called the Eugens, E-U-J-I-N-S. And we are a superior race on the ship of these misfits. Well, we think they're misfits, but we don't tell them that. On the guys that we're here to share our experiences and help them and educate the humans, but... We may have a little bit of a nasty agenda, (laughs) Nikki, as my voice drops here. We may not be as elegant and classy and as benevolent as we seem. So that's all I can tell you. Um, I really (laughs) enjoyed working on that project. Um, They will be again at San Diego Comic-Con. I think showing new clips, EJ has got some interest from different distributors, and that's all I can say right now. But I hope that everybody will get to see this project really soon. They've been working very hard on this, and uh, like I said, the cast is amazing. And um, I really enjoyed what I am playing on this show because, like I said, um, I like characters that present something, but there's a hidden agenda.
0: Yeah. yeah the more we're, we're complex very excited. the better
2: <laughs> yeah. sounds
0: like a great show come again josh we know kids involved in it he kids got us pretty excited about it oh so and i I'm, listen i'm
2: grateful it. for josh because of josh i get to be connected to you and dan and nikki so that's kind of a cool thing it's amazing how something you know you start with nobility and then you meet another actor or then you meet somebody working on it and then he said would you want to do this uh, show called Across the Airwaves? I said, with Dan? Sure. Make, <laughs> you're a bonus today.
0: Well, I didn't know I was that that uh, famous <laughs> on the internet, but good to know.
2: Yeah, I, I, I watch all the, you know, you'd be surprised where <laughs> I am. You would
0: be surprised. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of scary a little bit, but, you know. Yeah, nah, it's all, it's all.
2: See, I, I can be a I'm fan. Talking. I can be a fan of yours too. I all think right, it's that's... yeah. You can be I've... fan. I think actors should be fans of other things, even Maybe. if they're if they're if they're well liked and have a fan base. You know, we should all be fans of people too. So
0: yeah, there, there you agree. go. I'm a fan of Nikki as well.
1: I'm a fan
0: of Dan. Okay, there you go. <laughs> There's a lot of love here across the. I'm giving way.
2: you Amazonian hugs from my little studio here. And I give Dan and Nikki Amazonian hugs for it's a, a mutual love, baby. Yeah,
1: it's a love fest here today. A love fest. <laughs>
0: so thank you for joining us. We thank you so much. Really so enjoyed much talking with you. Okay, oh, a thank you for having yourself.
2: me, and I can't believe the hour flew by so quickly. We were having so much fun. I yeah, know. I know,
0: we were. Okay, definitely keep in touch with us. I will, really and daddy, really thank you whatever. thank you for your
2: time, and I love what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. Also, for fans listening, I'm very fan-friendly, and if you go to www.ellendubin.com, there's an address there, an email address for fans. If you want to send me an email, I respond to every single one, or you can go to my fan page on Facebook or Twitter, and I'm always answering questions. I, I take a time, an hour each night if I have the time and respond. So I'd love to hear from everybody. Awesome.
0: That's, That's awesome. great.
2: You guys take care. And thanks you again too. for your wonderful questions.
0: Yeah, thank you.
2: Thank you, Ellen. Take care, guys. Go thank you. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. Get our Across the Airwaves podcast, network website, acrosstheairwaves.com, again that's acrosstheairwaves.com, you can check out all of our podcast shows, available as their own, individual programs, in the iTunes store, in Google Play Store. Guys, for the podcast shows Color network, we have the DC Nation podcast, located at dcnation.acrostheairwaves.com, again that's dcnation.acrostheairwaves.com, which reviews popular DC Comics related TV shows and movies. There's also the Marvelverse podcast, located at Marvelverse podcast.acrosstheairways.com Again, that's com, which reviews Marvel comics related TV shows and movies. Again, we also have Thronescast a podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones which is available at the website com. Again, that's throatscast.acrosstheairways.com. In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airways podcast which is accessible at acrosstheairways.com which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes core game of thrones like the walking dead doctor who star wars rebels supernatural and more concluding sitcoms such as the big bang theory got the muppets also you can listen to across the airways the dc nation podcast Thronescast, cast the game of thrones podcast got the marvel verse podcast got the mixed radio station code by jack stifles stitcher radio or if you use apple devices download the podcast box app got if you're on a windows or android device you can download our apps from the amazon marketplace got the windows marketplace got a regular windows or windows phone app Because for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback Got the TV shows we review provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience or just want to say do you like what we're doing email us at across the airways at get that's across the airwaves at comment on our Facebook page follow us on Twitter Got across the airwaves. there's no thought in there it's just across the airwaves join our circle guy Google Plus or leave us a voicemail by calling 773-809-3363 get at 773 809 Call so when sending us an email Please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Give the subject line, Give you are sending us listener feedback you want us to read, God the air. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies get television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past comic Con. And it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic-Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our Comic-Con special. All right, so once again, for other ATA podcast shows. Nikki Amy, Joshua Mercray, who we thank for getting us this interview, Gru Kim, Steve Nostro, Nico Reifstuck, Michael J. Penny, Kai Dan Schmidt,
1: and i Nikki Amy.
0: Okay, until our next episode, we will catch you on the airwaves. See you guys!
1: Bye guys! Bye.